and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we opened up the scriptures to the book of Esther. We opened up to the book of, of, of Esther, and I gave you some uh, historical background to this book and, and, and kind of worked on uh, giving us the setting by uh, studying chapter one of the book of Esther. And if you haven't read that or you weren't here, I encourage you to go back home and read Esther chapter one. As a church, we're going to remain in the book of Esther for another five Sundays after today, so we'll get a lot of uh, time together in this book. Uh, today we are in chapter two, the first portion of chapter two, where we finally meet Esther. So who is Esther? Esther is a Jewish woman who is living in the city of Susa, that is the capital of the Persian Empire. So she's not in Israel. Uh, she's in Susa, which on a map today would be on the western side of the nation of Iran. And at this time, the Persian Empire stretches from Ethiopia to India. So it's a vast empire. And right now, it's about the, the, the year 480 BC when chapter 2 is starting to take place. Esther was of Jewish descent, uh, and at some point, both of her parents died, and she was orphaned. Her closest relative was her first cousin named Mordecai, and Mordecai, uh, being her closest relative, uh, operated as her adoptive father. So Mordecai is her cousin, but uh, kind of adopts her as a child. From this point on, these two, Mordecai and Esther, will play a central role and be key figures in the rest of this story. If you remember from last week, and if you weren't here, let me just kind of give you a very quick refresher. In chapter 1, we learned that the king of Persia had thrown this big feast, and he had requested for his wife, Queen Vashti, to be presented before him and everybody at the feast. She refused, and because of her refusal, the king now has removed her from office, and the process has begun to get him a new queen. And that's what chapter 2, our reading for today, is all about. We learn all throughout the book of Esther that this king, uh, King Ahasuerus, he's a, an extravagant guy. You know, he threw this 180-day feast in chapter 1, but he's an extravagant guy, but he also seems to make very uh, quick and flippant decisions. And at the uh, advice of some of his counsel, after removing Vashti from office, his extravagant and quick decision to replace her is this. Uh, he's going to gather young women from all throughout the empire and bring them to the city capital, and he is going to choose who will be his next queen. I'm not going to go through all of the details of what this process looks like. The scripture is clear and you can read it even further on your own. What we need to know today is that in this process of gathering young women from all throughout the empire, Esther is gathered up as part of this. And it's unclear, we don't know for sure in the narrative, it's unclear whether the young women um, were, were just taken uh, you know, like human trafficking. We're not sure if that was what the process was. 
uh, or if it was voluntary that they got to decide if they wanted to participate. We don't, we don't know for sure. But what we do know, not from the scriptures, but from Persian law itself recorded in, in other books, is that Esther should not be part of this process. According to Persian law, a woman that was going to become queen of Persia had to belong to one of the seven royal families that made up the empire. Esther was not part of one of the royal families. Esther was a Jew. But for whatever reason, Mordecai, who was like her father, whatever reason, he had instructed her not to make her Jewish heritage known to the people. So she has hid this fact. Nobody knows she's Jewish. That leads into a couple of big questions for us as readers of this story in the scriptures. You know, so for Esther to participate in this process, she has to compromise her faith, her Jewish faith. She has to make compromising decisions. First of all, she lied about her faith, or at least didn't make it known. But then as the process goes on, uh, she ends up eating things she should not eat, dressing in ways that she should not dress as a Jewish woman. And frankly, in the direction she's going, her her best option is to become uh, queen, but in doing so, she would also be breaking Jewish law because she'd be marrying a foreigner. So she has set herself on a track breaking many of God's laws for her. So is any of this a morally good thing that Esther is doing? The answer is no, it's, it's not. It's not. You know, her behavior is much different than, say, Daniel. Uh, if you know stories about Daniel, Daniel also lived in exile uh, a couple decades before Esther. And Daniel lived a life much different than Esther. When pressures came for him uh, to bow down and worship the king, he didn't, right? That's why he got thrown in the lion's den. So he didn't pray like they wanted him to pray. He didn't eat food that they wanted him to eat. When the pressure came, even threatening his life, he did not compromise his faith. But with Esther, she did things differently. And that forces us to kind of uh, try to understand why she's making these uh, morally difficult decisions. I don't know, maybe, maybe she thinks that going forward and trying to become queen is, is the best bet for her and her family. We don't, we don't know. Maybe she's got it all orchestrated and figured out and she thinks if she becomes queen, then she can influence her life and the life of her people, the Jewish nation. We don't know. We don't know what's in her mind. Or, or maybe she's just numb to all of this and just swallowed up in this process of the collection of young women all throughout the nation. We don't really know the mind of Esther at this point. We don't know what she and Mordecai have talked about, if they've concocted or planned anything. We don't know what they're trying to accomplish, but what we see is their activity, and we see that both Mordecai and Esther make some key decisions that shape the rest of the story. Here are some of the decisions that they make, right? Esther 
hid her Jewish identity. If she had made that known, none of this would be happening, right? Later on, we, we did read it today, Esther, once she's wrapped up with all these, these other women, she does everything that the chief eunuch named Haggai says. She listens to him, and in doing so, she learns how to please the king. Mordecai also makes this decision that he's going to sit outside of the royal palace every single day to keep tabs on Esther. And we're going to find out next week that that is a huge decision that he makes. So they make all of these decisions and it shapes the way that the story plays out. As readers of this story, what we should be doing though is maybe not necessarily looking at all of these key details, but instead having our eyes fixed on the higher narrative, which is the activity of God in all of this. We can take a step back and see that God is sovereign, God is in control, God is in charge. I tell you, He is. It may be hard to see at this point if all you've read is Esther 1 and 2 and you don't know the rest of the story. It may be a little hard to say, how in the world is God in control? I tell you, He is. And we'll see it as the story unfolds. God is guiding the process, God is in control, God is in charge. See, here's what we know so far in this story. God is guiding a foreign, arrogant, drunken, pagan king in the process of selecting a new queen. This is all we know so far. God is guiding the hand of a foreign, pagan, arrogant, drunken king as he's trying to get a new queen. And then sometimes in our lives, we step back and we go, does God care about me? Is God involved in my life? God is involved in the life of this foreign, arrogant, drunken, (laughs) pagan king. Absolutely, he's involved in your life. 100%. He is in charge and in control and involved in your life. He is there in the smallest decisions that you make. Should I have eggs or cereal for breakfast? (laughs) He is there in the large decisions that you make. Should I take that next job offer that's being given to me? God is there with you when you are being wise, and He's there with you when you are being foolish. And He's sovereign over it all. That means that God's will will always be done in your life and all throughout the world. But you know, sometimes we ask ourselves and we wonder, okay, God, if you are really in control of my life, if it's true that you are sovereign over this whole world, then what freedom do I actually have in this world? Have you ever thought about that before? I think a lot of people think this, right? If God's really in charge, if he's got it all figured out, do I have any freedom in my life to make decisions or am I just God's pawn on his giant chessboard? Well, really, the answer is a mystery. I'll tell you that. But practically, when it plays out, when we read in the scriptures and what we see in our lives is this. 
It is true. God is 100% in control at all times. 100% in control. And you and I, we are 100% responsible for the decisions that we make. Think about that for a second. That doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. God is 100% in control. He's got it all figured out. But we are also 100% in charge of making decisions. See, here's how this plays out. You get to make decisions in this world. You decided that you would get up this morning, move snow, put on your boots, and come to church. You did that. But God is also sovereign and in control of the whole thing. But sometimes we end up playing this kind of chicken and egg game. Like, well, did God dictate my actions to me? Or did God allow me the freedom to make my choice and then he operated outside of that and still made all things happen? (laughs) We don't know exactly how it all plays out, but in the story of Esther, in the story of Esther, we're starting to see how God works in her life. So here's what we're seeing with Esther. Esther and Mordecai are making decisions and each of those decisions affect the way the story plays out. They're making decisions. Some of them are the right decisions. Some of them are the wrong decisions, but they're doing what they're doing. And God is operating far and above it all. See, what we see in the story is that Esther is making some morally poor choices, at least when it comes to obeying God's law or not. But even though she doesn't follow God's law, God is still sovereign. So even though she's breaking the law, it doesn't stop God from being in charge. See, I think in our lives, sometimes we get into this place where we are fearful of making decisions because we're afraid that if we make the wrong decision, that somehow we'll mess up God's plan. As if we can mess up God's plan. My friends, what I want to remind you today is that God's will will always be done. That's what makes him God. You, know, you can't mess up God's plan and you can't mess up his will. As the story unfolds in Esther, we're going to see so many twists and turns and plot changes and yet what we will, what we will see is that God remains sovereign over it all. I want to encourage you by, by looking at the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today that Paul writes for us. See, as we consider the decisions that we make in our lives, Paul reminds us that there is nothing for us to fear, uh, nothing to worry about, because at the end of the day, when Jesus Christ returns, this is what Paul says, Jesus Christ will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. No matter what you do or leave undone, at the end of the day and at the end of history, you will stand before the throne of the Almighty, guiltless. 
guiltless. This is how it works. Jesus Christ not only forgives your sin, but he also takes away your guilt. Isn't that a good gift? Man, I can just look at this last week and I, I know the things I did. I, I, I know the ways that I got frustrated, even with my, even with my own children. I, I know the times that I was, I was short. I know the times that I may have not even been fully honest and, and I feel bad about that. This says that I stand before the throne of the Almighty guiltless. What a good gift that is. Can you believe it? You are guiltless because Jesus stands in your place forgiving you of all that you have ever done wrong or all that you ever will do wrong. And this is encouraging for us because as we go from this place, we've got a lot of decisions to make. Even a lot of decisions, even in this one day. Some big decisions, some small decisions. Like, I don't know, you're going to root for the Packers or the 49ers? I know where I'm going, right? So what are you going to do? How are you going to make these decisions, right? And when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, and you look back over the day that you've just had, you will be able to reflect back on all the decisions that you, that you made whether they were right or wrong. And you can be at peace knowing that you are at peace with your Father because through your Savior Jesus Christ, you are guiltless. You are set free. And see, this is how it goes in the sovereign uh, providence of, of God. You know, in, in the sovereign providence of God, I, I just pray that even though you know He's in charge, that your prayer would be that your desires would align with his desires. That you would desire that his heart be your heart, that his will be your will. And if you don't make the right decision, there's forgiveness for you. You are guiltless in the face of your almighty God because Jesus has set you free. At the end of our section today, at the end of uh, this section of scripture, uh, at the end of uh, uh, chapter two here, what we learn is that Esther becomes queen. Okay? She is chosen to be queen over the entire Persian Empire. So then the question now becomes, what will she do with this newfound power and responsibility that's given to her? Well, we're going to have to keep reading to find out. <laughs> so, for next week, these are the verses I encourage you to read. We will be looking at Esther chapter 2, beginning at verse 19 through chapter 4, verse 17. And again, a reminder to you after the service at 10 o'clock, I'm teaching a Bible class on these verses that we just covered. If you want to dig into this even further, I encourage you to be there as well. For the rest of today, go in the peace and strength of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven and set free. Amen. Amen.